increased profitability, increased employee engagement, reduced attrition, increased market share, improved customer service, and profitability. All of those will fall in line. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, where it's all about believing in and executing on different and innovative ways to strengthen both your leadership and communication skills to help increase your success, and especially in today's disruptive business environment. One of the most effective ways of building stronger leadership and communication skills is by embracing the principles of improvisation. (laughs) Yes, that's right, improv. Your host, Peter Margaritas, is an improv virtuoso. He's also a certified speaking professional and a CPA, also known as the Accidental Accountant. Each episode of Change Your Mindset is designed to bring you different and innovative ideas, thoughts, and behavioral changes on a variety of differing topics, with the sole purpose of strengthening your critical soft skills. We may call them soft skills, but they are the hardest to master. And when we do, greater success and growth is the result. So jump in and start changing your mindset now. Let's start the show. What is your definition of success? What is your definition of being significant? What's the difference between success and being significant? My returning guest is Lauren Schieffer, and she will address all these questions in our conversation. Our first interview was season four, episode seven, which was published on February 14th, and our discussion centered around choosing respect over drama. During that interview, she briefly mentioned significance versus success. After the interview was over, I asked her if she would come back to the podcast and discuss the difference between significance and success. So let me give you a little bit of Lauren's background. Lauren is the daughter of an Air Force officer who grew up being uprooted and relocated every couple of years. This experience imbued her with profound independence and the ability to adapt to changing circumstances. The lessons she learned from the colonel have helped her make smart decisions and overcome adversity with humility and a sense of humor. Lauren has navigated just about every aspect of corporate America in her very career, from trucking to achieving top-tier sales director status for a global direct sales cosmetic firm to managing a nonprofit foundation. In her speaking career, she has presented in seven countries to associations, organizations, federal, state, and local governments, and Fortune 500 companies to improve their communication effectiveness and reduce the unnecessary conflict. Lauren is a certified speaking professional through the National Speakers Association and the Global Speakers Federation. She can relate to and energize everyone from the custodial staff to C-level executives. Lauren is a master storyteller, delivering insight, inspirational, and relevant content that empowers people to absorb and act upon what they've heard. She does so in an entertaining manner with a dry sense of humor that keeps them chuckling while they're learning. Her enthusiasm is infectious and her passion is unmistakable. So before we get to the interview, let's take care of a few housekeeping items. Please subscribe to and share this podcast episode with a friend. I would greatly appreciate your support. Also, please visit my YouTube channel, The Accidental Accountant, and subscribe. 
See, I need 45 more subscribers to hit the magically 100 subscribe number. Let's see if you all can push that number over 200. And once again, I greatly appreciate your support. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, also known as The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a speaker that can bring powerful content, virtually or in person or on-site, that is memorable and engaging in a way that motivates and inspires your audience? Instead of data dumping and numbing with numbers, imagine your people and teams delivering a financial story to your stakeholders. A story that creates engaging and relationship-building business conversations. Would you be interested in learning more about how that is accomplished? How would you feel if the value your facilitator provided your organization far exceeded the dollar amount on their invoice? Peter Margaritas, CPA and Certified Speaking Professional, delivers all of the above and much, much more. All of Peter's programs can be done virtually, in person and on site at your location, or at an off-site venue. Send Peter a note at peter at petermargaritas.com and or visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com to learn more about what Peter can bring to your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Now, let's get to the interview with Lauren Schieffer. Hey, welcome back, everybody. My guest today was just recently on a, a month or so ago, paternal daughter. You know, uh, Lauren Schieffer, you, you know this person who on the social media graphics, I think I've got more people liking her quote during the period of time we were promoting than any other podcast out there. But you talk about respect. Yeah, you were, that was that was yeah, that was really good stuff. And just so you know, after we finished the conversation, uh, we're wrapping things up. She told me that she also speaks on the topic of significance versus success. Oh, I think was my reply to you. And then the nine essentials of significant leadership. Scooby came out and sucks. So I asked her if she would come back and share this this topic with you all. And First and foremost, Lord, what great to see you. Thank you for coming back. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Thank you. I am just tickled pink to be back. It's a thrill. I'm, I'm glad to have you back. So what is the significance versus success? What is the difference? They both sound similar, but what defines one versus the other? And what bucket do you really want to be in? Well, I can't make judgments for you. I can tell you what bucket I want to be in. Most people are programmed to chase success. Success is outwardly focused. And success focuses on titles and compensation packages and accolades and accomplishments and parking spaces. Significance is different. Significance is inwardly focused significance is service-based. It's about being of service first. And significance has nothing whatsoever to do with how much money you make or what your title is or how much perceived power you have. Significance is about how many lives you touch. 
and the manner in which you choose to impact them. Because how we impact people is a choice. And this concept, like just about everything else in, in my life and my, my platform, mm -hmm. comes from my dad. Thousands of times in my life. Not that I counted them, but I'm generalizing. Yeah. Dad would say, yeah, anyone can be successful, kiddo. Making money, climbing the corporate ladder, that's easy. Choose to be significant. You don't have to change the world. Just change the world you touch. That's what significance is about. It's the greater good. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if you know, I think you know this. I have an uncle who's a retired colonel in the Air Force. Mm -hmm. When I was writing my first book, uh, Improv with No Joke, uh, he said, you need to put something in here about ethics in the next edition. That's what's missing in this piece. It's the ethics part because it's for everybody and, and to follow that. And, and I remember uh, telling him that about the profession in general and how it's a little bit, a little bit self-serving that they're you know, worried about themselves, worried about, you know, how are you going to leave this for somebody else? Well, let them figure it out. So, and, and he goes, no, you got to think it this way. How are you impacting your community, your state, your country, and the world? This is bigger than just your firm or you as a CPA. You've got to, lack of a better term, change your mindset. Be more significant versus looking at just the individual success. And I want to add to that. Because I've had several people ask me, well, this sounds a lot like servant leadership. Servant leadership isn't anything new. What's the difference? I believe that significant leadership takes servant leadership one step further. Because to a large extent, servant leadership is designed to be invisible. It is serving others from the wings, leading when we need to encouraging people forward. Significant leadership is not focused on being invisible, but focused on building other people to not be invisible. So significant leaders put their energy toward building up those emerging leaders who will follow in their footsteps so that they also are significant leaders and carry the message into the future. There's nothing invisible about that. It's a very grassroots, very visible vision for the future. That's what significant leaders do. Okay, I, I agree. But there's always kind of one, it's almost like a circular argument. I, I see a lot of times, it, some people, it takes success in order to feel like they are being significant. Sometimes. Because of now I have the financial wherewithal that I can help others through foundations and things like that. Take but that if in. you wait until you feel that you are successful enough to be significant, I really believe that you have missed the boat. You have missed the ship to Shangri-La. You have to be significant first and success follows. I sincerely believe that. And you think about the, the companies that are doing that so successfully, they didn't wait until they were successful. My favorite example is Bombas. Bombas, yes. Oh my gosh. The first time I bought a pair of Bombas socks, 
I thought, really, I'm paying $16 for this pair of socks. I'm paying $16 for this. Why am I paying $16 for a pair of socks? Mm -hmm. But I loved the mission. Then the socks arrived and oh my gosh, they're like the best socks on the planet. Mm -hmm. Now I have a drawer full of Bomba socks. <laughs> they are significant and they are successful. And if we go back to the old adage, which could be hackneyed, but it's not hackneyed because it's so true that people will do business with people they like, people they trust, and people who make them feel good about themselves. Absolutely. That's it, what significant leadership is about. That's why being significant brings success with it. So for those in the audience who don't know about Bombas, who don't know about the mission of Bombas, could you share that with them? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I, I, I don't know their mission statement or, or anything like that. Right. I just know that for every pair of socks I buy, they give a pair of socks to the homeless, the at-risk communities, mm -hmm. and it's not just in the United States. I believe that it's global, but it is also in the United States. They're not taking that money and only go Haiti with it. It's global and in the United States. And in crisis shelters and homeless shelters, the number one thing people ask for is fresh socks. Yeah. You know, because if it's not raining outside, and you have a hole in your shoe, but you have brand new socks, mm -hmm. your feet feel taken care of. Right. So for every pair of socks that is purchased, they're giving a, a pair of socks away, which my husband said to me, you're not paying $16 for this pair of socks. You're pay actually paying $8 for this pair of socks. But the other person is just not giving their $8 for the pair of socks. So I bought two pairs of socks and I gave one away mm -hmm. through Bombas. Through Bombas. I just make sure everybody understood how they operate and, and how they're providing that significance. Now, Mike, and going down this line, I think about, we see a lot of companies these days who are doing similar type of work, similar type of having that significance. Do you see that, I guess, and I think about some of the older companies that have been around for a while, that was really not, I don't think that was part of their overall goal. I think success was a big part of that goal. And, you know, wealth, creating more wealth. I mean, some of that wealth may have gone to foundations to help out, but I don't, I, I don't believe that that was the overall intent versus the intent of Bombas and others of recent. Your thoughts on that? I have very strong thoughts on that. <laughs> he says your thoughts on that and then he stepped back i just want you to point i just want to point that out and then he stepped back a very strong point i believe that as we head into the third decade of the 21st century and we are facing a still raging pandemic mm -hmm. a weakened economy and i believe one of the most divisive environments in modern history now, everybody tells me that historically, as the nation was forming, it was more divisive than this. And this is the ugliest environment that any of us can ever remember living in. Correct. The generic efficiency, profit-motivated leadership of the 20th century that leaked into the, 20, the first two decades of the 21st century is not going to lead us out of any of these situations because to a very large extent, 
it is what caused the problem to begin with. When you are only focused on productivity and achieving higher profits for your stakeholders and accumulation of wealth and accolades and market share, and none of those are inherently bad on their own. But when they become the sole focus over and above the well-being of the employee base and the community that you serve, it becomes more destructive than constructive. And that, I believe, is what has brought us here. And especially moving forward into the the third decade of the 21st century, Mm -hmm. a year living at home has made a lot of us reassess our priorities. So when you have new priorities and what is now a predominantly millennial workforce, Mm -hmm. the leadership structure of the past will not work going forward. Uh, I'm going to give you an amen. I've been voicing the same piece about that. And the funny thing is I ask a very simple question at times. What business are you in? And I hear retail, I hear, you know, consulting, I hear accounting. No, 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 no. you're in the people business, first and foremost. If you don't have people, you have no vendors, suppliers, employees. You have no customers. So why don't we treat people like they should be treated, not like a number? And I I am seeing that change. Mm -hmm. I am seeing that change from, from the days that we started in the business world, well, we were just a number and just, okay, well, we'll just- A uh, commodity. We were another yeah. co- replaceable commodity. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, it's also, it always above me, but if we think about it, I just let somebody go, what's the fallout to the family? And is that the best, you know, I, I've been a fan of Southwest since day one, because the motto was, we love our people, they're our greatest assets, and we are not going to lay them off during downtime. We might not use we might use a paper click clip a thousand times. We may cut training and development, but our people are our greatest asset. We're not letting them go. They Herb Keller got it early, and they still keep that philosophy today. As compared to December of two thousand two, we relocated our entire family from Phoenix, Arizona, to the Kansas City area because my husband believed that he had a job in a telecommunications company here major global telecommunications company headquartered in Overland Park, Kansas. We arrived on the 22nd of December, 2002. I just want you to get that date in your head. It was the 22nd of December, 2002. That was the same day that that global telecom company laid off 2,400 employees by email Everyone that was laid off three days before Christmas got an email that said, your position has been terminated. Please pack your belongings and be out of the building by noon. I know that because my husband got one of those emails and Mm. he had never set foot in the building. That's commodity. Mm. That's the kind of mentality that ultimately led to the demise of the organization. So that leaking into the first two decades of this century, mm-hmm. it has to stop. But what if, okay, what if, what if we could build up a brand new generation of leaders that was focused on integrity and empathy and compassion 
and accountability, personal accountability, as well as organizational accountability. What would the next 50 years of the United States look like? That's, that's what gets me up in the morning. A lot better than what we've experienced. And, and as you're describing that, I've recently come across this term, psychological safety. Mm -hmm. The ability that I can speak my mind, take risks in an organization with my team, be very vulnerable and not be punished for it. Exactly. Only good to come out of that, except it butts up against ego. Ego is a, is a big factor, but it cannot be a factor in leadership going forward. Right. It can't. And it's very interesting that, that you brought that up because in the consulting and the training that I do, mm -hmm. anytime we discuss conflict management, communication, emotional control, I hammer in what our objective is. And our objective is threefold. Our objective as communicators is threefold. First, all people feel safe and treated with respect in my presence. Now, by safe, I mean physically safe, intellectually safe, emotionally safe, mm -hmm. and treated with respect. And then I take the time to say, think about a time that you did not feel safe. And it's just in the last couple of years that this psychological safety term has, I've been, I've been teaching this for um, over a decade, but anytime you don't feel safe, physically safe, intellectually safe, emotionally safe, you're not open to furthering a conversation. You are mentally planning your escape plan mm -hmm. and treated with respect. We talked about the difference between mm -hmm. respect for and respect to. Right. While we stand, the second part is while we stand our own ground and third, we get our message across. Now that's completely backward from the way most people train on communication. Most people who train on communication, even my well-beloved and respected colleagues, will tell you that the most important thing is to be clear, to be understood. Well, I've encountered a whole <laughs> lot of people who are very clear in their communication. They leave dead bodies behind them as they do business. Right. It's why I have to approach it from the other direction, and I'm not willing to compromise on that hierarchy of needs. Absolutely. And, and, that's, and that's very well put. I, and they leave bodies in the wake. Mm -hmm. So let's take this path. You've got nine essential uh, ingredients, if that's the right word, but uh, of significant leadership. Yes, that's exactly what I call them, the nine essentials of significant leadership. Right. And what are they? They are, to many people, a very 40,000-foot concept. Okay. So the first one is understand your own value. Okay. Understand the value that you bring to the table. And I start there because people have a true, who have a true understanding of their own value, it frees them to be humble. Most arrogant people that I've ever met, you know, those big egos, Mm -hmm. If you crack them open like an egg, down there in the center, you're going to find a very small child with no self-esteem. Absolutely, yes. So understand your own value. The second essential is treat all people with respect. Right. The third essential, act with integrity at all times. As you say that, I hear you. I believe it. But we get in situations where that integrity, acting with integrity, 
becomes very gray because of pressure. Pressure? Pressure from around us, pressure from bosses, pressure from you know, earnings, all this type of pressure. And a lot of times we cave into the pressure. Oh, because we're all human. Absolutely. <laughs> My definition of integrity it's not original to me. It's just the one that I happen to utilize. Mm-hmm. Integrity is doing what is right because it's right every time, mm-hmm. whether anyone is looking or not. Right. Now, you know, that very wise sage anonymous says that integrity is what happens in the dark, but we will all fall. We will trip. We will land face first. And then we get up and we brush ourselves off and we try again the next day. Mm-hmm. All we can do is endeavor to act with integrity. And that is in our personal lives, especially as leaders, because you people are watching you. Your team is watching you, not just how you do business, but how you live your life. So in our personal lives and our business lives and our financial dealings and our work ethics and how we treat people, especially those who seemingly can do nothing for us, it, that, it's, it's a biggie. Absolutely, it's a biggie. Okay, so number four, open your mind to possibilities. Open your mind to impossibilities or possibilities? New possibilities. New possibilities. It is, like only, it is only a bloated ego that thinks that they know everything or have the only solution. Oh, uh, let's see. I just had a, convers- I did a presentation today. That came up. Uh, last week did something. That came up. See, but the thing is, when you let your team know that you don't know everything, right. it empowers them to contribute mm-hmm. to the process. And significant leaders know that what worked in the past, while it may be a good starting point, by virtue of the fact that it's in the past, may right. not be the best path forward. So getting, opening your mind to new possibilities. Mm-hmm. Okay, number five is craft a vision, but it's not just a vision for the organization. It has to be more robust than that. It has to also be a vision for those we lead, what they can grow to be, and what that vision, what it's going to look like for each and every one of them when that vision is achieved. So as you're describing it, I'm sitting here writing down support. How are we supporting the people that we lead so they can grow in their own leadership? You know, and and sometimes it's rare, but it happens. Something that I believe in very strongly grows out of a fallacy of my father's rather than a strength of my father's. And the colonel had this habit of saying, this is what I've planned, won't we have fun? This is what I've planned, this is what we're gonna do. This is how we're gonna carry it out, bink, 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 bink. I mean, it was very, it was a very military way to do things. And sometimes he would plan a day and the only way that he could make the day work was by dropping me off at wherever I needed to be an hour and a half ahead of when I needed to be there and just assume that I would find a way to occupy my time until I needed to be there. Mm-hmm. This is what I've planned for us. Won't we have fun? So in crafting a vision, mm-hmm. it has to incorporate the needs and the desires and the why of the team that will put that vision into action. 
collaboration. Yes. Okay. So that was number five. Right. Number six is communicate respectfully. We've talked about that a lot. Yes, we have. Seven is lead by example. And sounds so trite, but I tell you what, if there's a moment where you have communicated that it's all hands on deck and everybody needs to put 100% in to solve whatever this little crisis is at, at, at the moment mm -hmm. and you decide to knock off at noon, they see that. Right. Have to lead by example in every avenue. Number eight, celebrate the results of others. Rather than celebrating your own, mm -hmm. celebrate the results of others. Give me a great example on that one, because I've got something percolating in my head. Percolating <laughs> in your head. The colonel was a really good example of that. Okay. My father's team designed the advanced composite materials that I can't remember if it's absorb or repel radar that the B-2 stealth bomber is made out of. He never took credit for it because it was the team. Great team. And my father absolutely refused to accept his DOD medal until every member of his team was recognized for it. Celebrate the results of others first. I can give you Many examples going back over the last few years where that did not happen in a very public manner, but your team sees that. You know, you can't take credit for the results if you're not willing to take credit for the disasters. But how about you let others take credit for the results? Celebrate their results first. Things win. Yeah. Yeah. Bear Bryant said that. Not, not original to the colonel. Bear Bryant mm -hmm. said, if the team wins big, we all did a great job. If we squeak by with a win, I've got some work to do. If we lose, it's all on me. So you being the football enthusiast as you are, Miss Kansas City. Yeah. So you might remember a few years ago, the Arizona Cardinals were playing the Seattle Seahawks. And the, game, the, the, the regulation ended in a 3-3 tie, both and then both teams are going, so they're going into overtime, and both kickers missed the extra point that could have won the game for them, and time ran out, so they ended up in a tie. Mm -hmm. So in the press conference, uh, the coach of the Cardinals, Bruce Arians, was asked what about his kicker, and he threw his kicker under the bus yes, and ran did. over him twice. We pay him to kick the ball through the uprights, and just keep Carroll. I wish I could remember the kicker's name. Right? Pete Carroll said, he's my guy. He makes more than he misses. He had a bad day. I still love that guy. It took maybe a day and a half, two days, and articles on leadership and that, you know, that team were flying up in Fortune for yep. all around. And I go back to that, and that was a telltale sign of someone's leadership style mm -hmm. that, hey, it's on me, the leader. I didn't prepare the team. That's right. That's yeah. right. It was a great moment. It, I, you know, I have a love-hate relationship with Pete Carroll, but um, and it's all, you know, it's all in my head because he doesn't know me from Adam. But it was a great moment of leadership. Right. Before we forget, number nine, work for your replacement. The first task of a leader is to find their replacement and build them and grow them and work for them. So those are your nine essentials of significant leadership. Absolutely. Every time when I had to hire somebody, I said, you're taking my job. 
Mm-hmm. We're going to get you ready to take my job because I'm going to move up or move out or whatever that leads. But I at least want to make sure that this position is, lack of a better term, backfield. I, I, you're ready to take over that role, take, take that job and, and move forward with it. But a lot of people are territorial. They are. And they want their job security. There's fear there, but fear never accomplishes anything. Other than saving your life in a crisis, fear never accomplishes anything in a business environment. And no one gets to work forever. So if you step out of your role without creating a solid succession plan, then the universe creates it for you. And you let go of any control you have over your own legacy. That is so interesting because I, I, uh, there's an association with a ring nameless whose longtime CEO is more than likely going to be retiring within a few years. Did not re up on his contract. And now those who report to him are almost trashing the place and throwing people under the bus. And it's now turned into much more of a toxic work environment because everybody's trying to aspire to that role. And it is it is very, very sad to watch. Yeah. But it's almost expected at times. But it shouldn't be. Right. Oh, I agree. It shouldn't it, be. It shouldn't be expected. We should be giving every person that has any aspiration for leadership all of the tools they need to replace us. And even if they don't have the aspiration, but we know we believe in them. We give them the tools as well until they believe in themselves. That's what significant leaders do. They say, I believe in you. And I'm going to keep believing in you every time you fall on your face. And I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to brush you off. And until you prove yourself incapable for the job, I'm probably going to still believe in you then. That's what significant leaders do. And significantly, it's been wrong because we're not all perfect. We are human. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, sure. I've had my little heart broken. People have broken my little heart many times. And, you know, we've broken other people's hearts as well. But we're not stopping that process. We're not stopping that wanting to be of significance and help others. We're learning from that, transforming ourselves to be better Mm -hmm. and learn from those mistakes. And, you know, when, when we look at the nine essentials. Many people will look at those and go, well, those are, are nice concepts, but they're not bottom line leadership. And I would beg to differ. Yeah. Because any really substantial organization, and my experience has proven, that when you focus on the high level concepts that are in the nine Essentials of significant leadership. The bottom line of increased profitability, increased employee engagement, reduced attrition, increased market share, improved customer service, and profitability, all of those will fall in line when you focus on the higher level concepts of the nine essentials of significant leadership. Absolutely. And I I don't know this for a fact. But I have to believe that I, I well at this point I do I know there's more leadership development programs that have embraced significance that that but there's still those out there 
but are still you know, teaching leadership the way it was in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And, and I mean, teaching by the options that they are taking in front of their organization. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we do what we see. And remember, I mean, we're, we're being taught 70s, 80s leadership in 2021. Well, I think part of a reason for that and part of the complication with that is in the 70s and the 80s, the concept of treating people with respect, yes, please, no, thank you, mm-hmm. common courtesies, communicate mm-hmm. respectfully, those were still a given in our society. So the management side of leadership is what was taught because the other was just expected by society. Now, in the 21st century, it is no longer expected by society and therefore needs to be retaught. Yeah. In my opinion, we know that opinions are like elbows. (laughs) Everyone has at least two of them. Well done. Well done. It's your opinions, my opinion. We all have opinions, but you're out there. You're seeing it. Mm -hmm. You're doing it. You're, You're... interacting with it to make that change to be part of that significance that you bring in your work mm-hmm. to, uh, to others. Mm-hmm. So that's leading by example. That's walking the talk. That's, I, I hope so. You know, I, I try. But from my vantage point, it sure seems that way. And, and what you do and how you go about your business and how you go about with your clients, how you go about with an association that you're involved with and, and other things that you do. Now you're in Kansas City, I'm in Columbus. We see, well, we used to see kind of maybe once or twice a year at a conference, but not our daily life, but that kind of all transcends. Mm-hmm. That all kind of transcends into what we see, even in those short takes that we have. Well, we're all human. And I trip and I fall flat on my face more often than I choose to admit. Mm -hmm. But if I don't try and walk the talk, then I'm just a fraud in what I'm teaching. And that, you know, so many of us, especially professional speakers and trainers and, and consultants, we have enough challenge living imposter syndrome that if I'm not walking my talk, I wouldn't be able to get out of bed in the morning right? because there are many things that I don't have. You know, I I don't have an MBA. I've never sat a C-suite position, but the C-suite is not my target market. You know, I have managed hundreds of people, middle management, Mm -hmm. emerging leaders. Mm -hmm. Those are my target ears. Those are the ones that are going to take us into the next half of the 21st century. Absolutely. As you said, describe me that, I'm going, you even mentioned this suddenly, you've, you've fallen on your face. Uh, there are people out in this world, in this country, leaders who would never even admit to falling on their face. But when, you, when you're vulnerable and open with your team and your organization, I screwed up. I thought <laughs> I'm a, I made a bad decision. And people look at you in a different light. And that's not a bad light. That's like, wow, she's really human. She has failed. She has fallen. And she's open enough and honest enough and vulnerable enough to share it with us. 
course, yes. uh, I go ahead, please. Yeah, yeah, please learn from my mistakes. If you can avoid tripping on the pothole that I just got out of <laughs> by my telling you, oh my gosh, I failed so badly and ended up in that pothole. If my admitting that can keep you from falling into that pothole, why would we not do that? Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Uh, the one thing that has always frustrated me with some leadership is the person who has a personality outside the office mm -hmm. and the internal personality, which is the exact opposite and not in a good way. Yeah. I, I just don't understand, but it's that ego, that power, that control, that, yeah, that old that lack of authenticity. Yeah. 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 That, that too. So as we begin to wrap up, uh, we, we've covered a lot. And those who are listening, give them one sustainable takeaway that they can begin to work on every single day in order to point themselves in the role of being significant. The Colonel always said, there's no reason to be nervous when your heart is in service. So if we take that, we try and focus on being in service every day. And we follow the nine essentials of significant leadership, which we all have to grow into. I wrote them for heaven's sakes, and I'm still growing into them. But if we focus on that, see, you will know that you are a significant leader when people who talk about you don't talk about what you've achieved for yourself, but rather they talk about what you've accomplished to benefit others. So there's no reason to be nervous if your heart is in service. Focus on that every day and you will start taking steps naturally toward being significant. That is the best takeaway that you can give someone because it is, it is something that you need to somehow keep it in front of you every single day. Mm -hmm. Write the quote on, a, on an index card. Make sure you have it in your planner, whatever, on your phone. Because the more you see it, the more you'll continue through that. But all of a sudden, if it's not there for a period of time, we forget. We do forget. Mm -hmm. we do, and, we, and we fall back to where we once were. So take that advice. Oh, Lord, thank you so very much. Always pleasure to see you. Great interview. I can't wait to see you in person. Um, Las Vegas in July. Uh, in July, that's a possible. Even though I will have by by then, I will have both shots. I'm still, you know, the, the whole airplane thing is still, but I'm sure that it'll be hopefully sometime in 2021 that our paths will cross. Thank so you too. Thank you so very much. Thank you for having me. I can't thank Lord enough for sharing her stories and wisdom about the difference between being significant and successful. Which one do you aspire to? And I will conclude with an improv quote that is fitting for this interview. Comes a day you're going to have to decide whether it's about you or the work. Stay positive, test negative, everyone. Be safe. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.